0: You probably have your own list of people who are saying a lot of um Christiany, Bible-y sounding things like discover your destiny, pursue your dreams, claim your promises. And you know, you can you can kind of use a few verses to proof text or support. Those ideas. Um, it's very slogan based and it mixes um, in a kind of a really unholy, sneaky but unholy way with our own desires for fame, fortune, and our own piece of the Western or American dream. And it does not look anything like what Jesus had in mind for his followers.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode sixty-two of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matt Bruff. I'm an author and a pastor, and today's interview is just a great one. I know you're going to love it. It is with someone named Michelle Van Loon, uh, who is the author of five books. She's a regular contributor to Christianity Today's Women's Blog, In Touch Magazine, and is the co-founder of. A website called The Perennial Gen, uh, which is a website for men and women in the second half of life. We talk a bit about that project that she's working on, but also we mostly talk about her latest book, which is called "Born to Wander: Recovering the Value of Our Pilgrim Identity." So she uses the image of a pilgrim or being on a pilgrimage as really a way to talk about our entire life and our spiritual life. So we've talked about that a bit before on the podcast, um, but Michelle has some really great insight and just kind of comes at things in a really, really interesting way. So you're going to love this interview. Uh, But before we jump into that, I wanted to let you know about something I'm really excited about uh, today, which is September 18th, 2018 is the release day for my latest novel. So um, I have a series of middle-grade fantasy adventure novels that I am in the process of writing, and this is the third one in the series. Uh, It's called The Rider and The Emerald Scepter. And uh, I write these books for ages 8 and up, but uh, I have to say I've had lots of feedback from adults who really love this book of all ages. So uh, I think I had one reviewer really just saying this is for, uh, really is, for like ages 9 to 99. Um, so yeah, I, I if you're interested at all, go and check it out. Um, you can find the book on most of the online retailers for eBooks um, on Amazon for sure for the paperback, uh, and uh, but you should be able to find it on Kobo and on iBooks and on Kindle, uh, on Nook and probably some other places too. Uh, starting today, and so I'm just super thrilled about that. The third one in the series. There will be a fourth one coming. And uh, yeah, it's just been a real passion of mine to to write fiction the last few years and I've just found it so rewarding. Um, there's definitely um, spiritual or Christian elements in the books, but it's certainly not uh, an overt part of the story. They're really meant to be fun adventure stories. And um, so if you have kids in your life, uh, you know, um, maybe consider picking up a copy of the book for them. Uh, and if you do, I would love to hear from you. So you can always email me at matt at mattbrough.com. So M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-G-H dot com. And uh, yeah, I'd be happy to, to hear from readers or listeners anytime just with your feedback about either books that I've written um, or some of the podcast episodes that you're hearing. Uh, so yeah, today's release day for me and uh, I have kind of a fun book launch coming up in a few weeks where my mom and I are both going to be launching a book jointly because my mom also had a book released last week, um, which is pretty cool. So uh, yeah, I wanted to update you on all of those things that are taking place in my life. And uh, and I hope that as you listen to this podcast interview, it can bring you some inspiration for your own life as well and how you can see the journey uh of your life and what and and how you might understand how God is at work in the life that you are leading. All right, so here is that interview with Michelle Van Loon. Today on the podcast I have Michelle Van Loon and it's uh, great to have you today, Michelle.
0: It's so great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of continuing a, a theme of guests who were at the Festival of Faith and Writing, um, and uh, we were both there, but we didn't meet there. So uh, we just discovered we were both there um, and uh, and took in a few of the same things. Um, but yeah, it's great to have you here today, and uh, you have a new book out called Born to Wander. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a bunch about that. Um but then you also have a website, a web project that uh, that you work on called theperennialgen.com. And uh, and I'd love to hear a little bit about that as well. Can you tell the listeners about that project first, and then we'll come back to the book?
0: Absolutely. Um, it This website's about a year and a half old and emerged out of my... Um, long time of writing um, over about the last 10 years um, in various outlets on my own blog um, for Christianity Today, and then a number of other places as well um, on the subject of second half of life, spiritual formation. Hmm. Um, I, I was speaking at an event about a year and a half ago, and this woman came up to me and said, oh my goodness, everything you're saying is just hitting me. We we had a great connection, and I didn't really think much about it. And she followed up in another spot, you know, to kind of continue the conversation. And it turned out that Amanda Estep had, um, Amanda Estep Cleary, had um, a, lots of similar interests, was an excellent writer and editor, and before we knew it, we thought we let's collaborate on something. There's lots of women that have lots of wisdom to share, and men. We've had we've had a number of men as well, and so we created a blog and a website that allowed people to share their stories. We've had veteran writers on there. Um, we've had new voices on there, and it's been really fun to kind of cultivate all of those voices. So um, we're going to try an in real life um, meetup. I live in the Chicago area, as does Amanda. And, um, you know, there's about 10 million people living around here. So we're hoping that we can, you know, gather a bit of a crowd um, in September in Wheaton, which is west of Chicago, for uh, a morning workshop on the subject of vocation. Oh. which actually emerged out of um, hearing Parker Palmer speak at Festival of Faith and Writing. So see, everything's connected.
1: That's cool. So, uh, can you say a little more about that? Because now we're talking, are a lot of people talking about the idea of vocation for people in the second half of life?
0: hmm Well, I, I feel like there needs to be more. One of my ongoing frustrations, um, this has nothing at all to do with my book. This is just me talking. Um, one of my ongoing frustrations with what I've seen of discipleship in the church, I've been a believer since I was a teenager. Um, so I I came to faith at the tail end of the Jesus movement. So I've I've been lots of places in lots of different um, settings. In discipleship, we tend to be really good about talking about how to get started in your faith and how to develop some spiritual disciplines. And then it just kind of stays at that level, which is, you know, just keep doing what you've been doing and that's what you should do, you know. And particularly as we get older, um, in the suburban church culture with which I'm most familiar, older people tend to get marginalized and pushed to the side. You know, they're seen as givers or servers or problems. Um, and I, I I don't see that that is the truth about the way that God has wired us to grow. Mm-hmm. There's pruning that happens, particularly at midlife, reshaping, redirecting often. And um, I want to be a part of helping new conversations, um, begin and people to ask questions. There's people that go the spirit, you know, find a spiritual director because they recognize that, you know, just doing the same Bible studies over and over again, isn't necessarily getting the same, um, result or addressing the things that are happening in their lives, Hmm. um, developmentally.
1: Right. Um, so, how does that relate to vocation? Like when you're talking about vocation, what what do you mean by that?
0: Well, uh, we're calling this workshop um, "Growing Sage" because we've got this perennial theme. Because in Scripture we see that growth is a perennial, is a perennial um, kind of task, um, and we we our subtitle is "From Doing to Being," and so a lot of the questions that you ask when you're 20 or 30 about who should I, what should I do? Who should I marry? Who are my friends? Who are my people? Um, the questions change as we get older, you know, into questions that have to do with legacy creation, with um, kind of, you know, more character and um, less about coming up with something that's going to create um, an impact in this world. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, um, it actually does connect to your book. Cause, uh, oh,
0: everything connects.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you actually talk about those those sort of questions. Um, we often define ourselves. Uh, some page one sixty eight of your book, actually, uh, we define ourselves by the way we answer questions like. What do we do for work? Where do you live? Mm -hmm. Are you married? Do you have children? Where did you choose to go to school? And then you say a pilgrim uh, is formed by the question, do I trust him?
0: Mm -hmm. Which
1: I actually think is awesome. I think that's really good for for anyone at all stages of life.
0: (laughs) It, It absolutely applies. I mean, so does so much of what God said. It's just that, you know, the emphasis or emphasis, it becomes different at different stages of our lives. We're called to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. That that doesn't change, you know, and it applies to six-year-olds and
1: 76-year-olds. So, hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we should, uh, I, mean, I want to jump into the book. Um, right. Which is uh, Born to Wander and Recovering the Value of Our Pilgrim Identity. Uh, so why did you want to use wandering Uh, Mm -hmm. as the primary way of talking about the life of faith? And maybe is there a difference between a wanderer and a pilgrim?
0: Absolutely. Um, My own experience, um, I open up the book, not that my experience is necessarily relevant to this topic, but um, we've lived, my husband and I have been married almost 40 years. We've lived lots of places, been in even more churches over time, And, um, so my, my own experience as an adult has been one of, of physical wandering Mm -hmm. and to some degree, spiritual wandering within the confines of evangelical Christianity for the most part. And, um, my, my experience as a child, I grew up, um, both my parents are Jewish so I, it, when people ask me what are you, I always say I'm a Jewish follower of Jesus because the the Jewish part is core to who my identity as a follower of Jesus is. Um, and Jewish people know a thing or two about wandering as well. It goes it goes deeper than even my own list of addresses and phone numbers. Um, it it's it's my family's story. And it goes all the way back to the Exodus and even before. Hmm. So um, that metaphor um, or that language, as I began to follow the theme through scripture, I I saw that there was wandering um, that's gone on from Eden and will continue until the last pages and the last movements in the book of Revelation. Um, So we have that um, as kind of a a core thing. What um, has struck me over the years is that exile and that language of wandering and exile has never been God's intention for a terminal point or destination, Every time through script, and, and I kind of trace the themes through scripture in the book, um, from beginning to you know chronologically from beginning to end. Um, every time that there is an exile, exile is meant to transform us into pilgrims. You know, and you can see it. You know, even in in familiar passages like um, you know as you're following the Exodus. Um, or even the Babylonian exile but it's it's there again and again so exile's never the destination pilgrimage is.
1: oh okay so say more about that like why why is uh, like what do you mean by pilgrimage is, a, is the destination why well, does God want that for us
0: yeah well exile the, the, um, exile is somebody who's been sent from somewhere right. and in our world there are all kinds of, of kind of uh, inciting events for our exile. For some of us, it's our family, divorce, death, you know, or dysfunction drive us apart from one another. For others of us, we experience it in our culture. If we're a minority it, voice in our culture, we're always kind of functioning as exiles on the outside looking in, you know, unless we're with our own crew. Um, some of us find that the place that's supposed to be kind of an antidote to that, the church, you know, becomes a place of exile, you know, every 10 minutes, it seems these days, there's more awful stories. I, I live a mile away from where Willow Creek Church started and, um, and not too far from where it, it it is currently located and and that's been a huge story here in the Chicago area and all around the world you know as as i I think there's going to be a lot of people that are have been shaken and will continue to be shaken, but there's stories you know in every stream of Christianity right now um, so people are experiencing wandering that way too. And um, it's also important for me to mention that right now in the world, there's more than 60 million um, refugees, people that have been forced from their homes through war, through economic issues, through bad politics, people looking for asylum that left their homes through no choice of their own, were forced to leave. So there is a lot of wandering in our world at all kinds of different levels.
1: So, so you're kind of drawing the distinction between exile and, and this not exile not being God's intention, mm-hmm. and then pilgrimage. So when, so how do we make what is that shift? Like what does that what does that look like? Or well,
0: a lot of us, planned? I think, find our identity in in our in our belonging. As people ask, who are you or where are you? It may be our ethnicity. It may be our network of relationships. It may be what we do. It may be our passions and hobbies, maybe our moral choices, but none of them are reliable indicators of who God is calling us to be. Hmm. He's he they're all temporary to some degree, some more. I mean, family doesn't change, ethnicity doesn't change, but neither are those the defining factors. Certainly, um, work, um, even church membership for most people isn't a defining factor right. um, as much as it is well you know, it's where God has placed us, but it is not the destination. And um, that restlessness that sometimes is, we call it a negative, but I, I believe that there's a redemptive purpose in it as well. So,
1: right. so is the main difference between a wanderer and a pilgrim, is it that a pilgrim has a destination?
0: Pilgrim has a destination. A wanderer is sent from somewhere you know and a pilgrim is you know, going to wandering somewhere camp exiles are sent from somewhere wanderers sometimes or at least the way that we tend to think about it are are people that are want, going somewhere with no purpose mm. and um maybe no focus you know getting in the car and having a, a road trip adventure kind of thing
1: now, I love as well, like early in the book, you are, you, like you said, you kind of go through the entire biblical story. Um, so early in the book, you uh, talk about Abram um, or Abraham, and, um, and that's kind of my favorite uh, go-to story of wandering and pilgrimage, <laughs> um, because it's kind of interesting that um, what you're saying about uh, wandering and, and uh, being a pilgrim is that Abraham, does he know where he's going? like that's
0: right we we particularly in the west i think we really love a a plan you know right. and many of us heard god has a wonderful plan for your life you know that language of of the four spiritual laws and kind of what you need to to believe those those pieces of data that you need to understand about god to commit to Him begins, um, at least in, in the world that I grew up in as a Christian, as a young believer, um, that, that language of plan yeah. kind of flies in the face. There, God does have plans for our life, but um, the fact that we have complete access to them is sometimes sets us up for um frustration i think and yeah, yeah. so i look at abram who was just minding his own business having his loving his wife having a life you know surrounded by family
1: and had lived for quite a while
0: already. and was old <laughs> you know for us for sure definitely a senior citizen and um and god told him to go to the land that he would show him. There was no, and this is how you'll know. And here's the breadcrumbs and neon neon sign that will direct you. But that go was such um, a strong imperative. And Abram responded, you know, and he took one step. And then he took another step. And that is all that he really knew. Um, But he... in the language of of, um, pilgrim literature, um, the the phrase or or the saying is given, um, you make the way by walking, which sounds very ethereal. But that's exactly how Abram discovered exactly where he was going. He couldn't just sit there and think some good thoughts about it. He had to get up and begin walking in obedience to God in the dark.
1: Right. Yeah. And I also, I love that Abram, uh, he goes and it's really fast, like the way it's told. I mean, obviously he, the reality is he's walking for quite some time with her mm-hmm. family and there was probably preparations and all that kind of thing, but none of that is really told in the, in the story. It's just a few verses and then all of a sudden, Oh, he's arrived and God showed him this is the mm-hmm. land, but then all <laughs> kinds of problems arise and he ends up continuing to be a wanderer, even though he's had a glimpse of the promised land. And then, exactly. then it's not him that's really going to inherit it. It's going to be future mm-hmm. generations. So I, it's a fascinating story to kind of think of. Uh, he's on a pilgrimage. There is a destination, but but the the route to get there is not even necessarily what he might originally see. And I think like going back to what you're saying about, you know, when we were sometimes told, you know, God has a plan for your life, especially say for teenagers or young adults or things like that. God has a plan for your life and figure out what that plan is and then go and pursue that plan. That actually is okay. I mean, in a way that fits with, uh, you know, in a way that fits with Abram, but the reality is, is that you're going to get a glimpse. You're going to think, you know, it. you're going to think, you've got it right. You're going to pursue that. And then all of a sudden, the rug gets pulled out, or something else happens, yep. and actually, somehow, that is also all part of God's plan.
0: It's it because <laughs> our temptation is always to settle. It's always to to seek comfort, and um, comfort is rarely found on the road without a map. And um, it's interesting, even as you were talking, it struck me afresh that. Abram, in addition to having to set out, there was this language about people after him coming to inherit this land that he was going to. He had no people, yeah. you know. He had he had a wife who was infertile, you know, and and he was infertile. We, you know, as we found out later, um, neither of them were. But um, you know, when they left, they they'd somehow made their peace with there were no children and this was going to be their lives. And God completely upended that. And as he does,
1: (laughs) I like as well, you're saying about uh, there being no map, but an image that you use in the book is actually that there is a map, but the map is a blank page. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that's a really interesting way of (laughs) talking about it. Because it's not that there isn't a brute; it's right. that it's that it's it's in a, in a sense unwritten, yes. um, and so so kind of taking one step and discovering what the map is mm-hmm. um, is the way forward. But that's that's hard, and and again, that kind of connects to the idea of well, what are the questions that we're defining ourselves by? Do I trust God? You know, do mm-hmm. I trust God that God is going to write this map as I'm going, and I might get little bits of it, you know. Well, we
0: even see when Jesus calls his disciples, he says, follow me. And there is nothing that, you know, there's no more detail given. <laughs> yeah,
1: what does that and, mean?
0: <laughs> You know, even more perhaps than Abram that gathered a wife and gathered some of his family and gathered, you know, provisions and servants to go with him. Right. You know, we see Peter fishing and then him dropping, you know, the nets and walking, um, you know, without a lot of, uh, without a lot of ceremony. Maybe there was, he ran home to say, I'm not going to be home for dinner tonight um, or for the next three years or whatever. But um, it's kind of that same thing that there is a part of a discipleship that, Always leaves us in motion, even if we've lived in the same place our entire lives. Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. Um, now you you also identify three kinds of pilgrimages, and we've kind mm-hmm. of been talking about all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you have uh, you identify moral, physical, and interior. Can you just kind of say what those are?
0: Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, and I can't. Ta- this this came about as I was researching the book. And it was a wonderful aha for me. And um, I'm very grateful. So um, moral pilgrimage is kind of kind of the exterior way that we are walking out our obedience to God or disobedience to God. You know, we, we make choices. We make decisions. There, there's questions of ethics. There's questions of right and wrong. And um, so... That moral growth is a part of our lives. If you have a two-year-old, obedience is going to look different than it is. It hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, um, you know. And in in our current culture, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a huge shift that way. That's very disorienting. That's very um, situational. And we have leaders that. Um, sometimes are speaking in in ways that would get our ten year old in huge trouble, you know. And so that the questions of moral pilgrimage we see throughout Scripture, God gave His people the law because He wanted them to know this is what I'm like, and I want you to be like me, and this is how we're going to stay in relationship. So that's one form of pilgrimage is that kind of moral growth that we have to make decisions all the time about whether we're going to steal that ream of copy paper because we need it at home or, what you know, whatever it is. Little is. Every day we're making choices that are forming us. So, it's
1: interesting to think of that as a pilgrimage because I don't think a lot of people have mm-hmm. talk about it or think about it that way because a pilgrimage implies a journey. Um, mm-hmm. And so to kind of see our moral life as... A journey, I think can be helpful because, uh, because we're going to backslide. We're going to, we're going to take, right. gonna, we are going to make wrong choices. We are going to do things that are not what God would want for us. Um, so it's to a great that, gift
0: of confession.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's not just, I mean, part of it is an in the moment, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of it is the overall lifetime. Like how do we, you know, is there a way to be living more rightly or more in accordance with what God would want? You know, I'm doing that now as opposed to where I was 10 years ago and probably 10 years from now, I'll look back on now and think, Oh, what was I doing? You know? Um,
0: (laughs) But there's, there's great hopefulness in that. I I think that being able to recognize that there is a growth path in that, um, you know, I, I think a lot of us tend to kind of plateau our understanding of moral development as something that happens when we're, we're young, and then we just kind of work it out. But I, right. I do not believe that that's true. Um, and as we grow in wisdom, it should shape the way that we are, are walking out those moral, yeah. our moral understanding.
1: Oh, that's cool. So, okay, so that's so the that's- moral, then there's physical and interior.
0: Yes, and physical pilgrimage. Most people, if you say the word pilgrimage, um, two images tend to come to mind. It's either um, the the pilgrims that came to America, you know, York, yeah. in, in search of religious freedom, you know, and and their clothing choices were black, black, and more black, which you know is very fashionable and slimming, but it is it's not the whole that's they were telling one kind of story of faith pilgrimage. The other one is that you go to a holy site in search of a a place of deeper connection with God, you know, whether it is Israel or to a monastery um, or walking the Camino. um, We have those ideas of physical pilgrimage and that has lots of validity and you can, um, Find those themes in scripture for sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just in the the journey to the promised land and the journey back to the promised land um, for the chosen people, physical pilgrimage was a way that they were praying out their story. And um, the last one, interior or spiritual pilgrimage, we've got 2,000 years worth of church history filled with mystics and people that are seeking that inward communion with God, Um, St. John of the Cross, um, the the people that are writing about spiritual formation today, Teresa of Avila, there's many that are recognizing that there has to be an inward journey to meet with God that isn't necessarily worked out in a physical way or in a moral way. But also in a, a desire for relationship.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Do you think maybe the there's sometimes been a bit of an overemphasis? Like we were kind of talking about this, where there might be inadequate models for you know, it, once you become a Christian, there's sort of an early, oh yeah, now you you know, there's some th- certain things you got to learn, and mm-hmm. then. I feel like in a lot of contexts, it's really, if you were going to name it in one of these three, it's really been about morality after that. So now just make sure that you're being good. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) uh, But I I think this idea of communion with God, this interior pilgrimage um, might be one. I think it's something that's really been neglected.
0: It's also the most intangible or the, you know, and it has more, um, I hate to use the word mystical, but it has more mystical overtones that are off putting to people that just want to know that there's four things they need to know about God. And, um, you know, that's, we're talking about someone who is infinite and other than, and yet it exists with us and within us in. And so that's a little bit harder to quantify if we're just, if we're very left brain kind of logic driven um, people in the way that we approach our faith.
1: For sure. Um, There's this great uh, quote in your book that I want to read. And I just want to ask you to tell us more about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, It's from page 42. um, And it says the pursuit of worldly success Baptized in Bible sounding language, sadly passed in many quarters for teaching about how to understand our identity in Christ. This kind of self focused ambition is little more than a sparkly version of exile. So, can you say more about that? (laughs) Worldly success. I'm going to read some of it again. The pursuit of worldly success, baptized in Bible sounding language, sadly passed in many quarters for teaching about how to understand our identity in Christ.
0: Well, I've heard through the years, and you have too, and, and if you're listening, you probably have your own list of people who are saying a lot of um Christiany Bible y sounding things like discover your destiny, pursue your dreams, claim your promises. And you know you can you can kind of use a few verses to proof, text, or support those ideas. Um, It's very slogan-based, and it mixes um, in a kind of a really unholy, sneaky, but unholy way with our own desires for fame, fortune, and our own piece of the Western or American dream. And it does not look anything like what Jesus had in mind for. His followers. So we hear this pursuit of worldly success, worldly comfort that kind of gets mixed and swirled all together. And I'm just as susceptible as the next person. I've grown up in this culture. God has placed me in this time. And it is only by kind of actively questioning or resisting it that. I have any sort of perspective and it certainly isn't an always an eternal perspective. I I'd like to be, maybe I'd like to be successful. I don't know. I'm, I, I, I question that. I, I'm a communicator. I've always been a communicator. And so I just want to connect with people. So I don't know. I, I don't, maybe my publisher would be really sad to hear me say this, but I don't, need to be the bestseller but I would and it could be because of the time of life that I'm at I would really like to just be able to leave something behind to help the next person take some steps with God so but that's even that is mixed together with some sort of desire for for success so We have kind of a sparkly version of ambition and um, we don't even actually always understand our own hearts or our own temptations toward this. Um, In the church, I I write in the book that we find ways to kind of um, talk about ambition and comfort in ways that, that sound more spiritually acceptable, you know, um, I use the example, you know, I, I really wanted a whole new kitchen, but instead I got contented with just having a new backsplash kind of idea. as, as, <laughs> as if we're sacrificing something really big, you know, right. um, or really the truth is I'd love to be in charge of women's ministry, but I'm just going to be content teaching the little kids in you know, Sunday school or the nursery. And it's not really true, you know, but it's how we learn to talk to each other and we deceive ourselves at the same time. I get it. I get it. I've played the same game, at, you know, and I probably will tomorrow, you know, again. It's um, mm-hmm. some something else will ambush me and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> I so- really, I, I really not, journeying there on that narrow path quite as um, faithfully as I think that I am.
1: Right. Like, I wonder if, like, I wonder if is, is the, is ambition, uh, is that the problem?
0: Well, that would be an interesting book (laughs) or two to write, wouldn't it? I mean, I figure out a lot of times what I'm thinking and what my prayers are as I'm writing. This has been ever since I was a young kid and, um, I hear a lot of ambitious talk, um, from younger friends. And I recognize that that's a part of how we're formed, um, to go back to kind of spiritual growth and development. It's how we're formed in the beginning part of our, uh, of our lives as we're teens and young adults, you know, those, those ambitions are part of what, what fuels us um but it's they're not necessarily sustainable um through the long term in life and you know and being able to recognize that there will be a shift there will be a pruning of some of those things you'll lose your job Mm -hmm. you'll have a prodigal child if your ambition is to have the best christian family ever um you
1: know, <laughs> or, you'll, or you'll be a prodigal. Well, be or you'll be control. a child, right? Right. That's um, Yeah, I wonder if um I wonder if it's part of it is also just kind of a, the idea of it, it being like what is the destination or what is the goal.
0: Yes. Um
1: and so like is there a way to say, well, it's like ambition is often kind of like because somebody's got an internal drive to do something. And I think maybe God could use that.
0: Absolutely.
1: But so maybe our response to that is to try to then submit that to god to say Absolutely. i want to give this to you like you're still going to walk some journey and it might actually be set up by an ambition your ambition like i don't think there's anything wrong with somebody saying well i would love to be a best selling author yeah well, maybe there's some best selling authors out there and and it's a really good thing that they're best selling because they've written stuff that we really Absolutely. want people to read.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, Absolutely.
1: And, and Absolutely. partly their ambition has driven that. So, but I think the issue here and why I love this quote so much is, is this idea of like, I, I love this baptized in Bible sounding language mm-hmm. um, that we basically said, and often we will say, you know, it's okay for your ambition to be your ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Because that's actually what God wants for you. God wants you to be successful. God wants you to uh, have this great life and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and 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 I, I think that's where you're in. Uh, that's where you get into real danger, right?
0: Yes, I I agree. And I'm I'm not anti ambition at right. all. I I think it is the fuel that propels us forward and gets us asking God really important questions you know what am I supposed to major in where am I supposed to live you know who who are my friends who what are the things that I need to know who should I who should I marry where should I go to church all of those things are are building questions and they're they're really good questions um we have to hold them loosely, but we hear that
1: <laughs> and they're around good it things, is, but they in themselves are not god
0: they they aren't, and they're not a destination right um they you know they're a part of what our our pilgrimage with and toward God should look like, and so being able to reframe that um even you know. At, for a 16-year-old or a 25-year-old is super important, you know. And we learn as we lose, as we suffer, um, as not every ambition, as, you know, as doors close. That's part of what what shapes us and guides our lives, mm-hmm. not just the wins.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, wow, this has been really good. Um, I want to ask you uh, before we have to wrap up here um, just about your own, uh, personal spiritual practice, kind of what, how do you connect with God in your, in your everyday life? What does that look like in your life?
0: That, that I, I'm so glad that I had a few minutes. You had sent me the questions in <laughs> advance and I thought, well, there's lots of things. I, I, I know the spiritual disciplines, But I have to think what things have kind of actually trained me um, and sustained me. Some of them, um, like contemplation or um, quiet, are things that I have to walk into intentionally. But as far as sustaining practices that are kind of ongoing for me, um, the biggest was one of the first things that I learned as a follower of Jesus, which was daily Bible reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't permitted to go to church the first three years that I was a believer. Um, I lived in a home with Jewish parents who didn't think it was a very good idea <laughs> that I now believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Um, and so... I didn't have access to church going and and corporate worship. I had access to a Christian radio station, um, some good sneaking skills. Um, So I would sneak to stuff, which I don't know is necessarily a spiritual discipline, but, you know.
1: (laughs) We'll add it to the Um, list.
0: (laughs) But it was a survival technique um, for a teenage girl that already had pretty good sneaking skills under her belt. But Bible reading for me, um, I realized through good times and bad, that became so much a part of my habit and my DNA that even if I'm looking at a page and my mind is a thousand miles away, I'm anchored to something that is eternal and anchored to conversation with God that has shaped my moral pilgrimage that has informed my interior spiritual pilgrimage and has guided my physical, some of the physical pilgrimages that I've been able to experience and been blessed to experience. Um, writing for me is a big part. It is prayer and communion. Um, I tell people that sometimes being a writer is like kind of worship and neurosis mixed together. Um, <laughs> And if you're a writer, you know what I'm talking about. Um, And in recent years, a big part of my ongoing spiritual formation has been an intentional conversation with others. Um, Beyond corporate worship, which is very formational, um, and I'm grateful that I've had the freedom through my adult life, to be able to go to church and I'm married to a a believing man. um, Sitting down and talking intentionally through issues of the day, through questions in scripture with others um, has also been very formational. Um, Maybe I'm an external processor. (laughs) And so I need that. Um, That's what fellowship looks like for me so
1: yeah that's really good are there so when you're doing daily bible reading it like do you do you just pick something to mm -hmm. read or do you have a plan do you have a
0: my husband and I probably 20 years ago uh, ran across a devotional um, by uh, a man who had been baptist and is now an orthodox priest, Eastern Orthodox, um, it's called St. James daily devotional. And he pulls kind of the daily Bible readings from, um, Catholic Orthodox, and then, um, assorted other, um, you know, like Anglican tradition. And so there's, you know, a system and, and, uh, process that to the readings, you know, that um, it's a little bit more extended than like a read the Bible through in a year kind of thing. There's Psalms every day, um, Old Testament gospel and New Testament reading, or usually New Testament. Sometimes he doubles up on the Old Testament. But I realized from going through this again and again and again over these many years um, this has shaped my practice. The, the book I wrote before this one, what is called Moments and Days, How Our Holy Celebrations Shape Our Faith, and it goes through the Christian calendar, the liturgical calendar, yeah. and the Jewish calendar, and kind of uh-huh. um, walks through the stories that God is telling. And I realize that, in part, the idea from that, besides my own experience as a Jewish follower of Jesus came from this cycle of of readings that's based on the liturgical calendar. And yeah,
1: that's cool. So okay, so um will I, I don't uh, often do this on air, but will you come back and talk to us about that book?
0: Oh, I <laughs> would love to. to. <laughs> that's a super nice invitation and I would be I'd be really <laughs> Happy to. It's another passion area. It's another way of pilgrimage through time.
1: Yeah, because so, that sounds really interesting. I think our, our listeners would be interested in that as well as as this one. Um, where can people find? Like, is there a place they can find the St. James Daily Devotional?
0: Um, they or? can Google that name, and they should okay. be able to find no, it. I, I'm not prepared, but um, no, it's, it's um the the man. Who's
1: kind like, of is it a funny. book or is it a is it online or It's
0: a quarterly I think you can get it online, but it's a quarterly like um, oh, little booklet that okay. has all the readings and if, okay. if I miss a day I miss a day I just read the next day yeah. um, if I don't have time to go back and catch up particularly well, with the gospels I, okay. I, I, I'll just keep going.
1: Very cool and, and then where should people go to connect with you? If they wanna connect with you.
0: Well, you can find me at Michelle two L's in Michelle, okay. um, and Van like the car and loon like the bird. And um, it's it's a super Dutch name. And then um, or parent the dot that's that's the midlife website. Um, I have some writing on there, but so do lots of other really, really thoughtful um, women and men.
1: Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this, Michelle. I really enjoyed talking to you today.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You can always go to spiritualityforordinarypeople.com and you can find all of the old episodes and all of the show notes for those episodes. Also, you can find the podcast on iTunes, and I would love it if you could leave a review there. That means so much to me, and it helps the podcast become more visible so that others can find these interviews. Thanks again for listening. Take care.